and welcome to the Farmers I Know podcast. I'm Carolyn Hershon. This is the show dedicated to conversations with the people that are growing food to nourish their communities. The farmers I know let their values on how the earth and people should be treated lead the way. On today's episode, I'm speaking with Ashley Johnson Geis, the founder of Brown Girl Farms in Hayward, California. Ashley is driven by her love for the environment and the potential of this intentional space being created on the farm that brings her family and community together. As a black queer woman in the farming world, Ashley is keenly aware that her very existence in the space is a radical act. Yeah, this is a spot right here. This is a spot. Yeah, yeah. We have um, our farm, farm dog, Journey, who's inside. She'll hang out with her around here and just kind of watch over everything. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How much land do you guys have here? So we have um, and the total, including the house, too, is about 1.27 acres. Cool. And so, you know, the way that the previous owner had the fruit trees planted and everything, we really utilize things from all around the, you know, farm and house which is really cool because we'll find ourselves like on the actual farm field but then you know maybe in the front driveway harvesting things or you know harvesting the plums so you grow things everywhere everywhere and all over the place yeah it's i mean right above us here these are um persimmon trees oh man and they're they're delicious are all those little things going to be persimmons all those little things are going to be persimmons i know can you believe it and that's so that's actually yeah you can actually see so that was like the flower and then you can see the little baby persimmon growing out of what then becomes the top of the persimmon which is so cool that's awesome yeah yeah so few people get to see that like full life cycle of things it's so true it makes a big difference on how you see your food and what you're eating it really does i mean the fact that we're following everything from the time you know we either plant the seed or you know put something out in the ground all the way to the harvest is just there's this different level of, of care, I feel like, you know, and this different level of like nurturing that happens. Like, okay, I'm going to place you gently in the box, you know, to then pack up and deliver to the member. Um, just because it's like, it's, you've like built this whole life with the thing, you know, yeah. tending to it. Um, it's like magical. Yeah, it really is. It really, really is. That's awesome. Yeah. So how long have you been farming for? That's a good question. Um, so... Really, my background with farming started uh, in education as well. Oh, so cool. I started out um, as an AmeriCorps member. Oh, nice. Um, and I ended up working in farm education my first year um, at a school farm. And that really led me to be like immersed in farming in a way, kind of like you were talking about. It's like every day it was like, okay, this thing needs to happen. We need to like harvest the apples or we need to turn the compost. And through being sort of a guide for youth, um, it just like, I found myself very quickly picking up skills and, um, you know, having to sort of repeat things back to then a younger age group. Um, And it was middle school. So that was really amazing because uh, middle schoolers are definitely a tough age. And there were a lot of things where they're like, compost ew what you know and I was like okay the entry level to farming for them a lot of times looks like having nothing to do with farming it's like let's talk about this song let's talk about like you know this thing going on in the world and then back door of like all right now compost you know um or like let's play some music and what music do you want to play okay you be dj and then we're gonna also turn this compost pile you know um that's smart i just fell in love with working with the land and farming you know through working with youth specifically middle schoolers um i think seeing that 
seeing what the land could do and did do in in their lives because a lot of healing happened like a lot of um like them getting a chance to take care of something like the chickens you know um it really just that passion grew for me you know um and being able to bear witness of things that I feel like are inside of all of us in terms of tending to the land being unlocked and giving them a platform to um, unlock that, you know? And I feel like similarly with me with farming, you know, being black and being queer, like I, I feel like that was sort of like the catalyst, but especially for us black folks, our legacy is farming, you know, and agriculture. And so I believe that we all like have seeds inside of us that are waiting to be tended to if we so choose, you know? Um, I just, I believe in like, that's our legacy as people. And so very much so as I, you know, was farming at the school farm and now farming here, I very much feel my ancestors with me and even some that I don't even know, you know? I, I still feel that closest and I find myself wondering who am I connected to right now? I know some of the farmers in my family, but there's so many obviously going back to the plantation and slavery even before that, you know, um, that like lineage. And so it's just like this very um, spiritual, spiritual like practice for me. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And I've heard that a lot mm -hmm. because like part of this is also to kind of help people understand that farmers aren't one thing. Mm. There are many things. And so often, I mean, I know when I was a kid, if you said like, oh, picture a farm in your head, be like a 55 year old white man. Right. That would be it. Like yeah. I would not, yeah. there, nothing else would come right. to mind. Right. And that sort of, you know, over time evolved for me because I got so into agriculture and I lived with an indigenous family and like, you know, they were really the keepers of all of that farming knowledge for me in my eyes mm -hmm. as a young person. So that definitely evolved through my experiences, but not everyone learning farming right. that through right. that lens, you know what I mean? So I, I do wonder sometimes if that's still the pervasive mm -hmm. idea of what a farmer is. Mm -hmm. And I think people are starting to realize it more and more. Yeah, yeah, I think too, the more, um, you know, that black and brown folks are having these platforms, you know, to like tell our stories and to be able to really um, set the record straight. And I think it wasn't by any, you know, um, surprise, like it wasn't a coincidence that yeah, when folks think of farmers, it's like a straight white male, like the system was designed and actually kept us out, um, you know, in order to uh, paint that picture, but then also preserve that picture. And so I feel really just humbled and, and really grateful and excited to be able to very much break that narrative, be like, here I am, black, queer, you know, like farmer, um, because very much so anywhere I go, you know, um, in the farming world, I feel like I am this force that people turn their heads and they're like, oh, wait, you're a farmer? And I feel like it's a radical act just to even be present. And I think there's both that really like fills my soul and then it also can be really exhausting. You know, even if you like, you don't even want to engage in like the social justice part of that, it's like, it's still such a radical thing. And I think it's also important because there's so much generational trauma that the more they can see other people overcoming that, the more they're like, oh wait, maybe these wide open spaces can be for me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Then maybe there's a place for me to do that as well. Right, and like you said, through seeing that representation, I think is so important because, um, you know, I think, especially like in the environmental and outdoor ed world, um, 
it's one thing for those experiences to be brought to black and brown folks into communities, but then, you know, we have to talk about who is bringing those experiences to folks and what do they look like and the, the real importance that it is someone that not only looks like them, but then also shares in different experiences and backgrounds, yeah. you know, um, did they grow up there? Um, and I think also, you know, there's a larger conversation of, um, you know, black and brown folks, um, you know, us all coming together and, and as we do and really talking about like, you know, this land is ours. And I feel like that involves white people giving space to really not only have the conversation but then put into action, like reparations need to happen because this land, you know, this land, first of all, is indigenous land, you know, and, and then also, you know, as black folks who were stolen and brought here. So, I, you know, I think a lot of times the conversation is around, um, you know, like black and brown people reconnecting to the land and, and, you know, building back the relationship and healing traumas and all those things I think are, are really true and um, necessary. And also, I feel like for white folks, the conversation and action around um, reparations and you know giving up land mm -hmm. and helping to um, you know create land access um, is, is really really important you know yeah. it's been really interesting to learn all about it and think through how it can be done in different ways and like just the imagination that can come with like how we can get more like community ownership of land and so access to resources in a way that like the community control it together right. and just the variety of ways that reparations can look I feel like some people are just like well how does that work and it's like well let's, yeah. let's explore a few <laughs> yeah, different ways yeah. in which it can exactly, like exactly exactly I mean talk about it let's figure it out that's exactly right and I feel so grateful to um you know like to for my wife and I to have this farm and to have this house and you know um for me just personally you know I'm very humbled by as a, a black person to you know say that I have and then um, be able to you know honor family and honor our legacy through this farm you know I knew where my heart was at in terms of and my wife too like what we wanted to do with the land that we purchased yeah that's awesome so I'd love to learn a little bit more about your own personal journey with reconnecting with the land like what was it like um, in your family and in growing up did you feel a connection to the environment um, like what sort of environment did you grow up in yeah so we grew up here in the bay area um but then when i got into eighth grade we actually picked up and moved to new jersey my oh, mom had a five-year job assignment out there and so we knew we were going to move out there and then you know come back to california so i'm really grateful to like be you know bi-coastal in that way um even though as like a middle school or high school or I didn't have that like farming lens yet I wish I had because now I'm like what was that farm that I passed as a kid in Jersey I don't remember you know <laughs> yeah but um very much so like the family that I grew up in um I was really connected um to nature from a young age like it was something that was just inherently like inside of me my grandmother um who actually she works on the farm on fridays oh, which is sweet. so amazing that. a whole nother topic but my grand she tells this story that when i was like a preschooler we were walking in the parking lot and there was a snail that had clearly been run over um and i wanted to like pick it up and save it and build a little habitat and all along she knew the snail was dead but um she just like 
creating that platform for me to like foster this sense of nurturing, you know? Um, I just am so grateful to her and to my parents. So, you know, she like, we got a shoebox and we put grass and I would watch the snow every day. And <laughs> just allowing me to go through that process of yeah. like seeing that inside of me, you know, and similar with um, my parents. Um, I was just always outside. I love to like catch bees and, you know, um, I feel like I connected with the land and animals in, in a different way, even if it was present as a kid. Um, my parents really like fostered inside of my brother and I the sense of like wonderment, um, you know, for the land and, and we traveled a lot. So I fortunately got to see um, both a lot of this country and then also globally, I was able to travel. My mom's work took us to just amazing places. Um, you know, one of the family trips that, um, you know, stands out to me is we got to travel to Shanghai oh, wow. and um, just being able to see, being so far away from home, you know, but then being able to just experience different cultures and different backgrounds and, and faiths, um, especially as a black woman, or, you know, then a black um, child and youth, uh, it left an impression on me for sure. That's so yeah. interesting. So you kind of always had that feeling of, of just like, connection to the earth and connection to the I environment. Did. I, I really did. And then, you know, as I um, got older and sort of had some more um, autonomy and like, you know, I majored in environmental studies. And so um, the science aspect of it appealed less to me uh, than the like community engagement and like teaching aspect of youth. And so I ended up interning at the San Francisco Zoo oh, nice. um, for a while and then I ended up getting you know a job there and and did work with like behind the scenes like education and getting to take like youth and families around to like behind the scenes with the animals and so you know I just built up like this this passion um but really the it was always inside of me you know and then these different things were kind of like the catalyst and I just see them as like stepping stones like okay the animal shelter then you know the zoo and and each time more and more that community um you know sort of aspect of it grew deeper inside the game. That's amazing. Yeah. And then as far as like thinking through your connection to land and also like as a farmer, mm. what role do you think farmers have as far as, you know, being environmental stewards? Um, I guess I'll start with that one and then I might ask you about the social justice side of mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I very much um, I think that we have a huge role and I think that for me as a black farmer and, and black and brown folks farming, um, you know, our, our history and our legacy, there really isn't that separation. I feel like um, in indigenous, you know, cultures and black and brown cultures, there's very much, and I feel, this relationship. So I could never imagine myself farming here in a way that is not first and foremost thinking about um, my relationship with the land and what am I, how am I existing here and what are the actions that I'm doing um, in terms of farming um, and, and how are they impacting the land. I think that for me personally, um, I'm, I'm constantly, like it's a relationship. And so I think about in a relationship, it's a, it's a two-way street, you know? Or, um, and so that's just really on my mind, you know, when I'm harvesting a 
plant or you know a vegetable or when I'm doing like a complete you know pull out of a crop I'm very much like giving gratitude and thanking that plant thanking that tree for what it's providing it it feels just like natural and, and, it, and it would feel wrong to not do so um, and so yeah I think us as farmers and working so close to the land like we have a huge responsibility because I feel like something like spiritual is happening it's a relationship so Right. Also recognizing that that doesn't always happen. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah. Totally. Yeah. And then, um, what opportunities do you think there are as a farmer to play a role in, like, being proactive in social justice mm -hmm. issues? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think it's it's huge that we're, you know, like a black-owned farm. I mean, just growing, having access to this land, growing food, and then very much our farm uh, is in service to, you know, the black community, brown community members, queer folks. Um, you know, that is a radical act. Like, you know, we, we own this land. And yes, there's permitting and there's licensing and all sorts of things. And at the end of the day, you know, we are getting to like create this food system that is part of this larger community that we're building, you know, that is just so beautiful. I mean, in the amount of time that my wife and I have started the farm, the amount of community that has just come with us on this journey is is amazing. And, you know, we're linking up with different chefs and, um, you know, uh, our beehive was gifted to us by a beekeeper um, in Merced, Happy Organic. So we're now linked to, you know, her farm and her work. Um, you know, just, it's really powerful. And I, and I think that there's something about when you are growing food and, and sharing food, um, you know, our produce boxes also include something called soul in your bowl cards. And mm -hmm. there are these cards that my dad actually came up with the name. He's so funny. He was like, you should have a farm commercial. He was just joking, but he was like, come on down to Brown Girl Farms where we put soul in your bowl. And I was like, I'm gonna use that one day. And so I was really thinking about, you know, you know, feeding people is one thing, but then also giving folks this immersive experience in which to gather around the food that we're, that we've grown and provide to them in their boxes um, is another thing, because I feel like healing happens when you gather around a meal. Um, healing happens when you're in the kitchen cooking. And so these cards each week, they go out and they have a quote um, from, usually a black leader in the food movement or just in many movements and then it also has a prompt so um <clears throat> last week talked about self-identity and like what does that mean to you and so i really just feel like you know there's something just so powerful about growing food and then sort of how we've extended out to um really thinking about the table wow that's amazing yeah and i love that too because it's like there is this thing about farming that's very meticulous it can be monotonous it can be just tiring it can be like the same thing and i feel like what you're doing with those cards in some ways is also like very meta and like zoomed out and just like yeah there's food in this box but it's also look at this card and when you read it it's like this is actually this cucumber is part of a movement it might not feel like that when you're chopping it but 
it's almost like a constant reminder that even these tiny small things when you add them all up is everything you know it's it's so true and i think we're really trying to send that message of we care about you you know like we we care about you through the food we've grown for you but also through we care about your experience with it you know yeah and and kind of and to say like you matter and i think that that's a radical act in itself when the world everything you know is constantly telling especially us black folks like you don't matter and i just feel you know i get emotional talking about it because i feel like being able to provide that that radical act of of love and healing um I just feel super humble and grateful, you know, to be able to have the farm to do that. That's beautiful. Yeah. I love that. Um, I probably should ask this question in the beginning, but I'm just thinking of yeah. it now. <laughs> um, how did you come up with the name Brown Girl Farms? Mm. Like, how did that originate? <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. I cannot lay claim to it. My mother actually came up with it. She manifested the name and um, she, you know, when I was working in farm education, um, and kind of when I got more serious with farming, she was like, you're gonna have your own farm one day and uh, it's gonna be called Brown Girl Farms. And, you know, when she came up with the name, she, you know, she really talked about how the name is, it really gets to the point. You really, Brown Girl Farms, you know, like it's not a white girl, it's, it's like, it really much is out, uh, is out there, you know? And, you know, she just really talked about how, um, young women and girls and youth having myself and others that work at the farm to look up to like like you mentioned this is what a farmer can and does look like is huge and then it's also kind of like you know it's like brown girl farms but then also like a brown girl farms to really be like to say we are here we've been here we are doing this you know um so very much like it's a play on that action too you know um I love, my that. <laughs> I love that that's so yeah. great and I love how active your entire family is oh in this whole thing I yes. think that's so amazing yeah well it, that that is just uh, that is at the center of my heart to such a gift to have my family here you know and being such a, a present role and um yeah like I mentioned my grandmother works here on Fridays she is well into her 70s and she lives out in Tracy she drives herself still she drives herself here and she's the one who is behind the scenes making our flower bouquets that go to market and so she wanders the field of flowers picking flowers and she arranges them and makes bouquets and there's something about when your family is involved these stories and narratives will be preserved because we're having conversation you know it's uh, uh, eliciting memories so I feel a sense of responsibility to make sure these stories continue on. I'm also wondering, because a lot of this is also to help people really understand the realities of being a farmer, because I also find that there's a lot of romanticizing what it's like. And I think in a lot of ways, it is like that. Like, that is true. Like, there are some days where you go out there and you're like, this is a dream. I am, like, in a Disney movie and I'm skipping around and the sun Sun is setting. And there are days when you're like, this sucks. Like, this is terrible. I'm hot. Like, this will never get done. I messed this up or, like, whatever. So I'm wondering what sort of 
either barriers or challenges or moments like that that you had um, in your journey? Mm -hmm. so, so many, so many moments. Um, there's so many times that I'm like physically, mentally, emotionally exhausted. There are so many times where I'm struggling, especially our home is here at the farm to like separate make create that separation because only I could do it. I mean, the fact that we're living where we also tend to the land, um, I could be out here all the time. And it's actually a practice for me to even intentionally rest here. You know, so I, I recently strung up a hammock down there. You can kind of see it in the orchard. And I was like, I'm going to rest here. You know, like I'm going to create a space where I rest because, um, yeah, the, it, it is it can be so, so tiring. Um, and there's also the real pressure of time. Like timing is everything. And so then when you're like, okay, it's constantly having to make both calculated decisions, but also decisions from the heart of like, I need to rest today. I need to come off the farm a little bit early. Um, like my body won't keep going if I don't give it this, you know? Um, I think also too, I've thought a lot about like, what does it mean to be in the present? Because I feel like as farmers, we're having to plan months and months out, you know, like I'm already thinking about winter squash and it's like, what? Yeah. You know, and so there's something that happens when you are constantly in the future. And so it's like a practice of being, you know, what's gonna bring me back to the present? Okay, what do I know is occurring right now? Well, I see the chickens in the nesting box, you know, or that's that's the present, you know? I feel like it's, it's such a, a practice. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that answer. Yeah. And I would love to go on a little walk yeah, with you and check absolutely. out some of what you got growing. <laughs> so much going on here. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. Okay, cool. So this is our this is our farm field here. So beautiful. This is uh, this was the first part that we tilled, and everything is kind of servicing the CSA program right now for the spring. Um, in this bed, these are sweet potatoes. I'm very proud of them. They're they do not look like much. But these are them right in here. Amazing. Um, and so we're doing, we're going to do a couple of beds of sweet potatoes. We just put them in. This is called a sweet potato slip. So you can actually take like cutting from the sweet potato, cuttings from the sweet potato plants. And um, actually that cutting will then root and become a whole new plant. Wow. So a lot of people start it by what's called the potato seed. So like a part of the actual sweet potato. But this is another way that you can start um, your potato or sweet potato plants and so we're, we're trying that out this year. Nice. This is starting to leaf out here. Oh yeah, look at that. There <laughs> you go. They don't look like much now, but so, just so wait. Right? Yeah. Very cool. What other kinds of stuff do you grow? Yeah, so um, we focus a lot and it's, you know, it's something that many folks hear us say, like really honoring and highlighting like African-American heritage crops. So oh, cool. We do a lot of mustard greens, different Couple varieties of collard greens. Um, we do a lot of um, intercropping and companion planting here. So um, doing things like beans and tomatoes, like the beans help to fix nitrogen into the ground, which the tomatoes benefit from for you know plant development. Um, and then we also have like basil growing with the tomatoes next door. So, yeah, we can walk through the roof house. I love that. One of my favorite spots. They're so cute. They really are. What's cuter than a baby plant? Right? Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, it doesn't even have a spell on your plants. I'm like, they're so cute! <laughs> Let me just dive on top oh of them. Oh my gosh, yeah, they're all so, yeah. 
they're doing their thing right now. Like, I love the lettuces. I'm just like, y'all are they're super full. Yeah. We try to do really fun varieties of things. So there's like this like speckled lettuce variety here. Cool. Call us uh, speckled trout back. And uh, it's super, just, I'm like, nature is so pretty. It's amazing how <laughs> beautiful it is. And the last thing I want to ask you is about your hopes for the future mm. of your farm. And it can be like your hopes for the future of this farm or for the food system or really anything. Mm. Just like what you're what you're looking to next mm. that brings you hope and joy. That's a really good question. Um, you know, I'm really looking forward to in the future creating a way for community to be able to be here. Um, you know, whether that's through education programs, you know, taking my teaching background and eventually having ways that both youth and adults, because education is always, you know, can can learn from the farm. You know, I'd love to be able to host classes and um, also invite other facilitators and recognizing like I'm not a keeper of knowledge, you know, and I want to learn more too. So I, I, you know, I really look to the future and time of being able to, you know, uh, invite community here because we, We've been getting a lot of wonderful inquiries, and I'm also just like, I'm looking forward to intentionally sitting down and thinking about ways, um, what are ways that community can actually engage with our space. Awesome. There are so many ways that you can be a part of the Brown Girl Farms community. If you're in the Bay Area, there's still time to sign up for their CSA program that starts at the end of April, including their new flower CSA program. If you want to support from afar, or are just interested in learning more, you can check out their website, browngirlfarms.com. Next time on The Farmers I Know, I'll be in New Mexico, speaking with Rihanna Bentia over at Chispa Farms about how a love for the environment and a high school agroecology class inspired her to pursue farming. Don't forget to give the show some love by rating and subscribing and sharing with your friends. Follow along on The Farmers I Know journey on Instagram, at The Farmers I Know. Thank you so much for listening.